Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear beloved of the Lord, our gospel today requires us to do a little bit of a rewind. After Epiphany, we heard about Christ's baptism and then about various events during his ministry after his baptism. But today, with the first Sunday in Lent, we backtrack to the very beginning of his ministry to set the stage for a closer look at the end of his ministry, all leading, of course, to his cross on Good Friday. And if we judged simply by what he had to endure, as recorded in our gospel, we'd probably have to say that after the glorious inauguration that was his baptism, Jesus did not exactly have a happy beginning to his work here on earth. Mark summed it up in the first half of our gospel today from Mark 1. The Spirit immediately sent Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels were serving him. Now, the valley of the Jordan River, where Jesus was baptized, is lush and green because it is well watered. But the territory around it is anything but. It consists of dry, rocky hills whose predominant colors all year round are gray and brown. In Old and New Testament times, people passed through these areas or perhaps hid there for a short time, but no one chose to live there because the terrain was harsh and both water and food were hard or perhaps impossible to find. And yet it was into this wilderness that the Spirit sent Jesus immediately after his baptism. It would hardly have seemed fair to an outside observer, but there was a greater purpose to it all. It was part of God's will for mankind's Savior. It was part of the mission of the Messiah. Now, none of us have his mission, of course, nor does Scripture tell us exactly why particular things happen to us, but we can still be confident that just as there was a purpose to Christ's time in the wilderness, so there is also a purpose to the time Christians spend in their various wildernesses. Of course, I am not speaking about backcountry camping trips. I am talking about the times of psychological struggle, lonely wandering, social deprivation, relentless temptation, and spiritual dryness that believers experience, not only despite their status as God's children, but because of their connection to Christ. You may be in such a wilderness right now. You may have spent weeks, months, or even years in one not too long ago, and may have one awaiting you tomorrow. Maybe you recognize it as depression or addiction, 
as a toxic relationship or an attraction to sinful pleasures, as doubt or difficulty with some biblical teaching, whatever it is, it is a wilderness for you in which you and your faith are tested, as Abraham was tested in our first lesson today. Our text tells us explicitly that the Spirit sent Jesus into his wilderness. The original Greek verb is is stronger and has the sense of casting or throwing out. So it is clear that this was important and that God had a purpose to it. And Jesus did not avoid or resist it. Things are rarely so direct or explicit for us. We often don't recognize that we are in a wilderness of our own until we have already been there a while. But as we are reminded in Romans 8, the Lord is always in charge, and the Lord arranges the lives of his people for their benefit. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Which means that he uses even the bad things that come into our lives to bless us, even though he himself tempts no one and is never the author of evil. Here in Mark 1, we are told that Jesus was tempted by Satan for 40 days in the wilderness. Matthew and Luke record some of the particular temptations, but Jesus was being tested in this way the whole time as he dealt with loneliness, hunger, and thirst, and as the devil attempted to draw him away from his mission with distractions, with with doubts and misgivings, and, and by offering him an easier way than the one his father had laid out for him. Jesus gave in to none of those temptations, but they were still real. Even though he was the Son of God, because as a real man, he had needs and wants and feelings and weaknesses that Satan could appeal to and work on. Our wildernesses are also full of temptations. In fact, they may primarily be temptations. The easy self-satisfaction of pornography the simple cutting off of difficult relationships, the elimination of a theological struggle by redefining terms or teachings to suit the pressures of your peers, the spending of money without regard for tomorrow's needs in order to satisfy today's desires. One difference, of course, is that Christ's temptations all had to come from outside him and thus from Satan. But you and I carry a tempter with us everywhere we go, every day. Our our old Adam or sinful nature, which, of course, cooperates with the outside forces in the world and, and with the devil, making it pretty much impossible for us to ever escape temptations to sin this side of eternity. We will always be under testing. And while peer pressure often contributes to our spiritual struggles, it is also true that temptations are harder to resist when we are all alone 
and have no fellow believers to encourage and support us. Jesus was all alone in his wilderness wandering. There were only the wild animals to keep him company. And we often feel that that we are in the same temptation when we have troubles. Even though we may be surrounded by other people, it seems that we have no one we can connect with or relate to. No one who can comprehend to or empathize with us about what we're going through or, or assist us in any way. The people around us, we feel, are no more helpful than the animals were to Jesus. And this, this loneliness, sometimes even in a crowd, forces us to rely on God instead of on ourselves or, or other people, which is pretty much the whole point. In our weakness, we must find our strength in the Lord. In our loneliness, we must find our place with Him and in His family. In pains and troubles, we must find our comfort and our confidence in His promises and power. Paul made that point so clearly, so expressively in our second lesson today, reminding us that there is no person or power that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is no need for fear. No reason to feel abandoned or alone. No point to worry and no cause for doubt or misgivings. No matter what wilderness we may find ourselves in, trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, no matter what it is, the Lord and his angels are with us. And Christ our Savior is at the right hand of God interceding for us. So we can trust him absolutely and eternally. Abraham gives us a good example. Did he understand God's command to go out and offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice? No, not at all. Did he want to do it? No, not at all. So why did he do it? Because he trusted that God had a purpose to that trip into the wilderness. And that even if he, Abraham, didn't understand it, all that really mattered was that the Lord did. Because the Lord is good and gracious and would never ask anything evil of those who trust in him. The writer to the Hebrews explains it this way, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And how was Abraham's trust rewarded? God not only kept his promise to reckon his offspring through Isaac, he also provided a substitute. Instead of Isaac's life and blood, the Lord offered a ram. And this was a powerful preaching and prefiguring of what God would do some 2,000 years later and 
that a few years after Christ's temptation in the wilderness, he would provide a substitute, not for one young man's life, but for all the lives, all the souls of all people. It was all about sin and its consequences, all about our disobediences, all about the times that we gave in to sinful desires, gave in to doubts, submitted to the temptations that came to us, fell under the spell of despair. All of our sins, all of our imperfections, all of it, God sent his one and only Son to take our place in punishment. He provided someone to carry our sins and guilt and imperfections and to be slain for them, pouring out his life and blood in payment so that we would not have to pay the price of death and hell ourselves. This is what Christ came for, what Christ accomplished and what we count on. And just as with the testing of Abraham's trust So the purpose of our own wilderness testings is to strengthen and focus our faith in Jesus and on what he did for us, to rely on God and his grace and his power more and more, for more and more every day. Christ's own trust throughout his testing was rewarded with the service of angels to meet his needs after 40 long days of deprivation and struggle. And then what? Mark continues, After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Like many things that it seems should go without saying, this needs saying. Jesus left the wilderness. God's plan was never that he stay there. He had things to do. And it is the same with us. Whether it's 40 days or more or less, the Lord puts a limit on the time that we are meant to spend in whatever wilderness we find ourselves in. It is not some place where we are supposed to get comfortable, or that we should just take for granted and assume we'll always be that way, or a place that we should be afraid of leaving because we've gotten so used to it. Whatever our wilderness might be, it is instead a place of preparation. Just as the 40 subdued days of Lent are a time of preparation for the joyous time of Easter, when we get to proclaim the finished mission and resurrection of our Lord. And so as Jesus went to Galilee to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, went to fulfill his mission and do the work he had come to do, so also we go out of the wilderness and enter with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, whatever calling place, and purpose God has given us. Jesus had an identity as the Son of God and Messiah, and that that meant there were things he had to do. 
We each have an identity as a child of God, as, as a disciple of Christ, as a member of His church, as a new creation that, that lives and loves to serve Him and His people. And that identity means that there are things we get to do. Now, Jesus preached the gospel. And while not every one of us has the vocation of, of proclamation as he or his apostles did, we are all still called to be his witnesses, to share the same message as he gives us opportunity, that though we all are sinners deserving of death and hell, in Christ we have salvation from sin, death, and hell, and from every evil. And because he took our place on the cross and took away all our sins and rose again to eternal life, giving us the assurance that, that we too will rise and live with him in paradise when we put our trust in him. That is good news. And we are eager to share it whenever we can and with whomever we can. Being witnesses to this, the only saving faith, is a vocation we all have alongside our others as, as citizens and servants, as friends and family members, as employers and employees, and, and whatever other calling we might have. We have things to do out of the wilderness, just as Jesus did. And it is time we get about doing them. Not because they gain us anything before God, but because of all we have gained because of God's grace to us and because of all that other people have to gain. When we take what we have gained from our times of testing in the wilderness and put it to work in service to God and our neighbor, especially, especially to offer the lost the only thing that brings them rescue from death and hell, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. Please rise. Now, to him who is able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.